Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Perth Paisley podcast, which is regrettably dedicated to Scottish Cup 2019-20 runners-up Heart of Midlothian. I'm Adam Kennedy and joining me to discuss the most recent fixture, the Scottish Cup final defeat to Celtic, is Mr Daniel McIver. How are we doing, mate? I'm alright, Adam. How are you? I'm I'm left heartbroken by the weekend's events, I can't lie. Um, but listen, it's it's one of those things we've just got to take it on the chin, so there's no kind of script or preparation that's gone into this pod, it's very much our own thoughts, kind of off the cuff, and yeah, it's just discussing the heartbreak, I suppose. I guess there's there's no place other to start than the starting lineup. so what did you make of that, mate, once you saw it come through? So, I think just by the way the game's going to go, we're going to, in my opinion, at least get all the negativity out of the way first, and I think that does start personally with the team lineup. Um I think we both said on the podcast last week that most of the team was quite obvious and quite, it almost picked itself in a way. There was so many players where you just went, well, he's playing, he's playing, he's playing, he's playing. And for me, it was a toss up between Naismith and Janelli starting. And for you, it was very similar kind of things. Then the lineup came out and I'll be honest, I will do, again, as you said, we'll be really honest. I resigned myself to defeat then. Because I know we'll get to a positive aspect about him. However, when you see that A.D. White is starting and Josh Janelle is on the bench and you see that Peter Herring's on the bench, I just to me, I was like, that's it. We, we don't have a chance. We're not going to get anything from this. Obviously, it's a cup game. You can either get everything or nothing. But you know what I mean? Like I was like... yeah. We're not going to have a chance. We're just going to get completely overrun. And from the first half, that is what happened. However, were you a bit more positive or how did you see the lineup? Um, I I wasn't all that surprised, to be honest. I mean, I was. there was a couple of inclusions that caught me off guard. I think, namely Christoph Berra, in what mm. I had assumed was a, a back four. I, reading that... I thought it had said uh, Gordon and Goal, back four of Smith, uh, Kingsley, Halkett and Berra, with White pushed up on the left, I'd assumed, with Walker mm-hmm. on the right, Naismith in behind Boyce, and Halliday and Irving sat across, or just in front of the back four. Um, so I was a bit miffed to see a couple inclusions in there, I've got to be honest. However, when it transpired that I found out that we were playing a back five... I think that's when concerns began to kind of emerge and worsen, um, particularly in that first half performance, like you said, when it really just... I mean, every time Celtic poured forward, they looked like we were, they were going to score. I think initially we had a couple sort of half chances in the opening minutes, but nothing nothing all that major. And then that was it. it. It literally just... It was so dead in an attacking sense, I thought... We sat off them far too much, showed them far too much respect, considering we discussed their recent form and the fact that they were seemingly in disarray. Would you go along with that? Absolutely, and I think what was even worse is that the two times we seemed to attack in the first half, we looked like we could score. We had that Naismith chance a wee bit into the first half, and then like two minutes in, Berra had a chance as well that was kind of a half chance. But 
Listen, I know every Celtic fan will now love him due to what we'll get on to, but Connor Hazard for 120 minutes was shitting himself. And in the first half, we didn't take advantage of that at all. And that, at least until half-time, was easily the most frustrating part of it. It wasn't even that you could go, oh, for God's sake, we should have a go, but it's even going to be hard. It's like, look, have a go. They clearly are rubbish at the back. I mean, I, I cannot think in recent memory of a Celtic team that looks as bad at the back as they do. And like you say, Hazard did seem nervous. I cannot believe that we didn't at least test him, kind of, even even from range. You know, I'm not mm. expecting I'm not expecting us to pass it round them, free-flowing attacking football, carving them open, but have a, have a pop, like you say. I think that's where... I mean, I'm I'm looking at the bench. I think Ollie Ollie Lee certainly would have had a, a pop. He'd he'd have fancied one early doors, but other than that, I don't think we've really got anybody. Andy Irving maybe, mm-hmm. but nobody nobody fancied it, and we didn't see, we didn't even get in decent positions to kind of penetrate at all, really, did we? Not at all. And I think if we were going into that back five, which I I don't naturally disagree with to be honest, against Celtic on that pitch. But I feel that you need Herring to do that or you need Popescu, Berra and Halkett. You can't have it that it's Kingsley, Halkett and Berra because your outball is then A.D. White. And we'll get on to someone who I actually think was worse in a minute, who I thought was the worst player in the park. But the issues with A.D. White in the first half because again, we'll get on to the second half, but in the first half, was that Ayer was playing that right-sided role, and whenever he got it, he seemed to just have the run of the entire byline, and it was so frustrating watching A.D. White, who, listen, it's not A.D. White's fault that he's not a great football player. It's not his fault. He tr- What you cannot deny about A.D. White is that he tries. He tries so hard, but he's you kind of have left him out to dry, where he's basically the only person on that left-hand side, and Ayer just loved it for that entire first 45. Yeah, I, 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 felt, I felt really sorry for him in that in that first 45. I think you'd spoken previously about a, a back three, and you kind of had me on board with that idea, but like you say, I think I think it only really works if Kingsley and Smith are your, uh, your wing-backs in, in essence. And obviously, mm-hmm. then, the back three, I mean... It, your central defenders, I think if Suter's fit, he's definitely one in terms of spraying passes and getting us up the park. But as as for the other two, I mean, you've spoken about Haring being potentially one of them, which I'm not against. I think Craig Halkett can play, but Christoph Berra mm-hmm. on a back five, I think you're just asking for pressure. And against, we obviously spoke at length last week about how we'd both have chosen Popescu over Berra purely for odds on Edward's pace. And it wasn't really punished, but you still had that sort of sense of all it takes is Ryan Christie or a David Turnbull to just pick one up, send it long, and Edward's off. I'm so... Listen, I don't think that... No, that, I was about to say I don't think there's anyone who loves Christoph Berra as much as me. That is not true. There are people who love them as much as me. Berra was part of... Like kind of part of the team that came through when I first started going to games in 2004. He was kind of in and around the squad. He was on the verges, time. wasn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. 
and when kind of that 2006 team got split up Berra came in and he was one of my favourite players growing up and when he came back I was so happy and that first season was one of the best that first season when Berra came back was one of the best seasons I've ever seen for a defender at Hearts but can we please just stop this now can we please stop pretending that Berra is good enough anymore he's good enough for Queen of the South He's good enough for air, probably, on Boxing Day. He's good enough for this level. He's not good enough for anything close to Premiership quality. And it just makes me sad, because it will taint his legacy for some people, which isn't fair. No, it's not. And I think, you know, knowing knowing when to... I think I've spoken about this before, but knowing when to throw the towel in as an athlete is a, is a big thing. And I think Christoph Berra, it, as sad as it is to say, I think is coming towards the end. But there's... That, you can't come back from it, kind of any athlete, right? And again, listen, we're sat here. We're not athletes, right? We are probably the furthest thing from <laughs> athletes, right? But it's just basic knowledge that when you have a hamstring injury like Christoph Berra had that was ripped off the bone, one of the worst hamstring injuries you can possibly have. You're going to lose something. See when you're in your, you're in your mid-30s and that happens. That's it. You're done. But but knowing, knowing when time's up is a, is a big thing. Like, Rio Ferdinand was one of the best Premier League centre-halves ever. But yet, you don't want to remember his time at QPR because he was done by then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Knowing... knowing when it's finished is a big thing and it just it breaks my heart to see it but it just it has to happen i'm sorry i like you say I, listen if this were his last season and he helps us get promoted that that would be the perfect high to go out on and mm-hmm. and then it's about kind of recruiting uh, recruiting a, another center half a decent premiership quality center half to ensure that we obviously don't fall down in this league again. Because, like it or lump it, we can blame goalkeepers as much as we want for last season. Christoph Berra wasn't great either. and Of course not. It, it hurts, but that's that's the facts, unfortunately. Definitely. Do you want to get into discussing the goals? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> because... Ryan Christie's is an absolute worldie. However, it is. However, the fact that you know what he's capable of, and it's not even as much as he's shown inside, but the fact he's able to cut inside, to me, it just seems as though it's a it's a takeout job. And the semi final against Aberdeen, and his goal then and his goal in the final are literally carbon copies of one another. I can't believe that we just haven't learnt our lesson with the likes of Christie. Christie put one in at Murrayfield against us like that, obviously now at Hamden like that. But even even going back a couple of years, like that used to be Tom Rogic's trademark for Celtic against us. He used to love cutting inside and unleashing one with that left peg. And for me, I don't... Listen, Craig Gordon can get nowhere near it. It is a superb strike. But I think so early on in the game... It's just a case of take him out, 
are, are you uh, obviously you're the you're the defensive one out of the two of us would you go along with that or is or am I being too harsh you're not being harsh enough because it's not even that we look at Christie against Aberdeen or Christie a wee while ago or Rogic a few years ago it's Charlie Adam against Dundee this season it's Dom Thomas for Dunfermline against us this season that is a carbon copy of a goal that we've already seen this season twice we allowed it to happen first game of the season and then the defeat away to Dunfermline what is it that, and it always seems to be the same players as well Andy Irvin's been involved in all three of them Ollie Lee wasn't on the park at the time but Ollie Lee was involved in the first two our sitting midfielders Halliday is in no man's land completely Bera's shouting at somebody but then doesn't himself move forward there is no excuse for that happening once with a club at our size but when you have Ryan Christie who you know what he can do and when you've seen lower quality players do it against us this season how is the how is the discussion not just whenever Christie's get gets the ball on the edge there's two men on him at all times he he's their main man and ultimately I think we'll we'll be away in the summer but mm. I, I I just don't I don't get it mate a back 5 even even if Kingsley and White doubled up on him that leaves the midfield to occupy elsewhere but to be honest I think that that trio in midfield as a three man midfield just it it just doesn't work. I'm sorry, I don't it understand. Work. And we've seen it. We've seen it already this season. We know that Irving and Halliday doesn't work. We've seen it already, and it is dreadful. And I just my logic is hearing it still isn't fully fit because otherwise, why wouldn't he start? Yeah, no, totally. And I think I I know that you've obviously said that there was somebody worse than than Ad White or whoever. I I think I know who your worst player on the park is. And I believe it to be one of that trio. I feel sorry for said player because that is ultimately not their role in the team. Andy Irving is not a sitting midfielder. Jamie Walker is not a sitting midfielder. Andy Halliday is somewhat. But again, I think I think he'd need a Haring or somebody of that ilk as, you know, insurance alongside. I don't know whether you'd go along with that or not. This is this is interesting because I didn't view Jamie Walker as a sitting midfielder. I viewed him as being told to play out on the right. The Sorry, only... let, let me rephrase then. As as one of three central midfielders to you know, maybe Halliday to sit and Irving and Walker to drag us forward. That's yes. yeah, I. But sorry, um, go on. I j- listen. I've had people mention to me about Jamie Walker a lot on Twitter and that seems to be the main thing I get grief for my views on Jamie Walker and again it's another big game where he's done nothing I know that's not his natural position however he's still a football player so he's also a football player with a ton of experience he's also a football player who's now currently with the age he is meant to be in the prime of his career you cannot tell me that someone at that apparent quality, apparent level, and apparent apparent maturity cannot at least have an influence on a game, be that positive or negative. But the main issue for me was that I don't remember Jamie Walker touching the ball for the fifty three minutes he was on the park. No, I, I I'd go along with that. I just I'm interested to hear you say apparent ability. I think in a number ten there is ability there. And I think, 
I, I said it at the start of the season. I do. I, I still firmly believe that Robbie will get the best out of him. However, I don't know whether it's another case of he's in that similar mould as Christoph Berra in that he'll get us out of this league, but ultimately at Premiership level, it's finished. Yeah, he's I, done. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, want I, him I, here I next really season. don't know. No, not I at all. I just don't. I didn't want him to come back. I don't, listen. I know. I, it's not like I hate Jamie Walker, but I don't I don't get this love for him because I know he's two goals away from 50, but when he burst onto the scene and the talent that he was showing, he, he, was should, the be guy. Two, he should be two goals away from 100. The fact that he's only getting to that level now across several years, six years almost, I know he was away for 19 to 24 months of them. However, we're at this level now and apart from two games in the championship, I've just seen nothing from him. And it was emblematic that in this, the biggest game that we will get onto this, I have such pride in this squad. So I love them all and we'll get into what I mean by that in a wee bit. I just don't have that same feeling towards Jamie Walker. No, that's... Listen, that's, that's each to their own. I just... I just feel as though it's... It's another one that should have just kicked on, you know. We're mm-hmm. not, we're we're not going to file him under the likes of. I mean, we mentioned him on the pod last week. Your Dale Carricks and these players that we've got kind of in the lower no. leagues, but but we we are expecting more from Jamie Walker because the at least in my personal opinion, I think the ability is there. I just I don't know what it is that's preventing him from really kicking on, but. Mm-hmm. Listen, we we can talk about we're going to talk about the game. Obviously, we've talked obviously that first goal. What did you make of the odds on Edward? Firstly, the penalty being awarded, and secondly, his penalty past Craig Gordon. So, we've literally just said that we don't think Barry should be in the team, and we don't. I don't like the the narrative that's currently around Nielsen by a tiny section of the support, and I mean a tiny. Like I've only seen it a handful, but I have seen it. So. I don't like people going, look, look at what Berra did. Nielsen should never have started him. Nielsen shouldn't have started Berra for different physical footballing reasons. Robbie Nielsen cannot plan for a 34-year-old veteran of the game to try and grab the ball out of mid-air in a penalty box. I just don't, I don't understand what's going through his head because he's not even using his arms to jump because he's already done that. He's used his arms to jump and he's in mid-air. And if you watch it back, his arms are coming down again and he puts them back up to just... I don't even know. I genuinely will never know what he was doing there. Um, Clear penalty for me. Clear penalty. And then, obviously, surprisingly for me, the penalty has kind of come under a lot of discussion due to Neil McCann's comments saying that a penalty was uh, the Penenka was disrespectful. I was going to ask you on that. What do you think? I just don't get where that comes from. It's a valid penalty. He has the confidence to do it in a Scottish Cup final. I understand Craig Gordon's anger because it's a former teammate of his, but like, it's not like he did anything illegal in the penalty. He it it was a valid penalty, and just he had the confidence. If that hadn't went in. And we would go on to win it, he would become one of the biggest villains in like, recent history. But he did it. I just personally I just didn't understand the kind of anger towards it. But what about you? Are you on that side or am I just an idiot? 
No, I, it, I think it was more disbelief that he'd had the audacity to kind of pull it off. I, I agree with you in that it is a definite pen. I mean, I've, I've watched it back and I get the impression that Christoph Berra is obviously mid-air, like you say, but I, I think he's just mis- misjudged the flight of the ball and the flailing arms are to kind of, not assert himself, but to kind of, I don't know, sorry, even yourself out or make it seem as though you're not as helpless. I don't know. It just... Yeah. But it is a bizarre position for them to be in. It's as though he's doing the Macarena or something, but that's that's by the by. Um, clear pen, got no qualms with the penalty being issued. You know, if it was the other way, I'd be screaming for it. So it's a definite pen. And then it goes to him actually doing that, and it. You'll obviously see my reactions to the goals on sports and whatever, but they cut the bit where I'm in genuine disbelief and I just turned to my dad and went I cannot believe he has just done that to us because it mm-hmm. it's not even like it's not even like it was anything you know directly against us it was just it just really hurt that it looked it's, it's a really clean strike but it hurts because I get the disrespectful thing but had somebody done that for us I'd be lapping it up so it just summed you know, up Celtic's performance up until that point. It, it was did. So easy. It did. It was yeah. It was, it was cool, calm, collected, without having to really work for it. In essence, I thought. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, obviously, the the game plan first half. I mean that two 0 down at half time. What 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 are you thinking then? What's your initial thoughts I, once we get to half time? I tweeted. Well, that's that then. Air on Boxing Day is now the main focus because I was like, I was furious. I was, I was thinking, right, massive changes need to be made. We need to get White and Walker off. We need to get Herring and Janelli on. I also, I just want to say, I didn't think Halliday did very well either. And again, I'm just struggling to see what Halliday offers us going forward into the future. For this division, he's fine. And we've seen that. He's, he's actually quite good in this division. I don't know what he's got to offer us at Premiership level because... I've just, I've just seen nothing in both the Hibs game and in this game. I thought he was one of the few, overall, when you look at the game as a whole, one of the few poor players. But I was just like, we need to have massive wholesale changes. There was an element that it was like, do we now just shut up shop so it's not embarrassing? Because this, that was my thought. I was like, this is going to get embarrassing in the second yeah. half. No, sorry, go on. I just, there was a moment where I looked at the lineup again, like I got I got my phone up again and looked at the lineup and just went, "This is what this, this is what this was always going to be." When I looked at that lineup, and then obviously, we'll speak about the rest of the game. But to put it bluntly, I did not expect anything close to what happened. What about you? No, of course not. And and again, it was just a case of as soon as that pen went in, it sort of took a couple minutes to register and then it's like we find ourselves 2-0 down and again it was a case of I just went well, well that's that you know that that's that in our, in our biggest game probably of what will be well certainly if, if on a technicality our biggest game of last season um, but yeah I just thought that that was it finished and I was really fearing the worst I, I mean I could have foreseen fours fives i mean we've we've seen this film one too many times it's just 
<laughs> you know, it, Neil Lennon, Scott Brown, Lee Griffiths, there is absolutely nothing that, that trio would have loved more to just, you know, do us for five, six. But obviously it didn't pan out that way. Um, it just, from what, I, from what I then saw, was just absolute carnage. I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like that ever. I can't remember us starting with such sort of tenacity and aggression and a, a want to get back in the game. I, I could not believe it. it was, you know, the, the Queen of the South game would essentially done the same thing. But there's no way I could have foreseen that coming against Celtic. Not a chance. Particularly when 2-0 down in a cup final at Hamden. Um, I phoned my dad after it and he was saying that he's never in his life seen a game of two halves like that in a cup final. Like, you often see it in games where one team is totally dominant one half and then falls to pieces in the second half. But you very, very rarely see it in a cup final. Especially when the two teams are so outmatched. And I just, I honestly, from the second, the second half whistle went till the final penalty, I have nothing but positive things to say. It was, it was incredible. I'll get to my overall thoughts at the end, but just, it's so, just incredible. Just genuinely incredible. I, I I was in total disbelief watching that second half. And I think the boys' goal goes under the radar for me because it is mass. It's such a morale boost at a time when we needed it most. Because Eddie White turns into Ronaldinho. <laughs> well, firstly that, and I, I know you've obviously touched on Andy Halliday. Personally, I think he's good enough to be a squad player at premiership level. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously clips the ball in for boys to nod home and then I, I, I don't I don't know what came over me it was like a oh my god it's like it's literally like a, a game on mentality and that just it just proved the course because like you say for the remainder of that half it just looked as though we were gonna actually nick another and just it was honestly incredible I, I cannot recall when was the last time if ever Hearts came from 2-0 down against Celtic. Ever? Oh, no idea. I don't think it will have happened in our I, lifetime, at least. I, there's no way it's happened in our lifetime. I don't even think it's happened in my dad's, whoever's lifetime. Uh, that, that's maybe one for London's, London Hearts or whatever, but could not believe it from there on in. And obviously the second goal, the second goal's another way. Wait are, a minute, wait a minute, wait a on. minute. No, you've not focused enough on AD White. Because I was in the process. Because the big thing was that there was no changes. And I yeah, couldn't the, believe. No, I, it. I couldn't believe that either. But then, obviously, I think I think Boyce's goal then sort of compensated for that. It was like, yeah, a, all right, it was like an all right, okay. But you're going to go on about Eddie White. Go on then. He just, I was, I was literally saying the sentence. How is he still on this pitch? He's done absolutely nothing. Ayer has been taking the piss out of him the whole game, for God's sake. Gordon plays it to him. He controls it on one foot, flicks it up on the other, plays it over Ayer's head as if Ayer isn't even there, runs in an almost identical way that he did for the Hibs penalty, gets in the box, stops, controls it, cuts back 
and then just perfectly lays it off to Halliday for the assist. This is what I don't understand about Eddie White. Because, as I said earlier, you cannot fault the man's commitment, his work ethic. Oh my God, he tries. But he is either... I think I said it a few podcasts ago, actually. It's like getting a fan on. Where, for most of the game, it is like you or me went on. And it's just the worst thing in the world. And you're like, how is he in this team? And then, in those rare moments like that on Sunday, it was like we'd accidentally got Rudy. He's like, oh, he was in the crowd. We'll just get him for half a second. He's, he's the most confusing player I've seen at Hearts in so long. How can you be that good in, like, 2% of your life? Yeah. Yeah. I think... Listen, I, I think you could maybe cover that for... I was going to say quite harshly that you could maybe apply that to the majority of this squad but it kind of is true because mm-hmm. I think this squad are capable and that's that's the annoying thing I think the game plan the game plan is obviously the reason why we find ourselves in the predicament that we're in that being said the character and the want you know everybody's in that same boat and it genuinely felt as though we were all pulling together all striving for the same thing. And we've missed that for years. Genuine years. And it's... Obviously, it's, it's reflected in the passion. I know you're going to give your thoughts on whatever. But that was the most encouraging thing to see for me, along with, obviously, getting back into the game when it seemed as though we were dead and buried. Absolutely. I'll tell you the last time we felt it. The last time Robbie Nielsen was here. You think? Definitely. That championship squad that was created and moulded in the championship that went to run, it felt like a squad. It felt like a group of players who were together, who got each other. Even when we went up and we made a couple of changes, we didn't make wholesale changes. A lot of the squad stayed together and stayed a core. And we just added where we needed to. And it just felt like they were playing for Robbie. Robbie was willing himself into them the fans were behind them 90% of the time um, and it just felt like we got it and then as soon as he left for me personally it's just never felt the same until now yeah until until honestly like I've been a big I've voiced my love for Robbie Nielsen so many times on this podcast and I've, I've felt it this season I felt it, especially in the Hibs game, it was like, this is it. But I don't think I've ever felt it more than in that game, where I was like, he is our manager, and we are playing for him. And above all, that's what I want, because when that happens, we do well. I think Robbie deserves immense credit for that, even coming in in the summer. And it was obviously a squad that was fragile, having just been demoted and in need of a general pick-me-up. And I think the stars all seem to align at the perfect time for Robbie to come back. This did you see of... what he said on sports scene before the game? I did, but honestly, mate, the, the whole day was just a total blur. So He what, said what was he, he, he was being interviewed by Tom English in a previous... Not oh, in his yeah, like, yeah. pre-match interview, but in like a, it was a couple of days ago. And he said he went in and a bunch of players said to him, I don't want you playing in the Championship... So without a second thought, he went, right, you're gone then. He just got rid of them. 
every single player that is currently here, whether we like them or not, whether we think they're good enough or not, want to be here and want to play for the club. And that is so crucial because the amount of time... I'm going to get to it at least later on, right at the end, with one man in particular who is emblematic of this entire thing. But like you say, for so long, we've just had a random smorgasbord of players from here, there and everywhere who don't know what the club is. Fucking Donny Sadvalai and all that shit coming in and just being like, I'll fucking score goals all the time and then does nothing and is absolutely dreadful. And now we just have a squad of players who get it. We have a manager who knows what to do, both from a passionate point where Levine had it, but he couldn't do it tactically. And he has the tactical aspect, which Stendhal had, but couldn't put it onto the pitch and couldn't get the players to do it. Robbie can do both, and he's got a squad that can do both as well. And from the 45th minute to the 120th minute, we showed that we can do that against anybody. I I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just feel as though he'll need backed in the summer for that little bit more quality because I think absolutely because I think over the piece we've proved that we're not that bad aside I just think we need a couple tweaks and listen I know the January window will be coming up whether we'll sign folk on pre-contracts genuinely do deals I don't know that that obviously remains to be seen in the coming weeks and whatever but I feel as though the, the next pod we should definitely look as though at, at some players that we'd like to see us sign for when we get there because if we're going off the piece the leagues are for Mali that I mean that I've seen enough from that two hours to tell me that we will win that league it's did you see Naismith's comments after it's the just game a couple week? it's just a couple bits I think we need what, what did Nasey say Nasey said we're bigger than the league I, I don't think he's wrong he just went he was like the reporter was like, now do you focus on the league? He went, yeah, we we think we're bigger than this league. We are just going in and walking it. And he's right. He's right. But mm-hmm. we do need a few tweaks. A few tweaks. And I think... I think when Josh Janelli came on, that proved to us just how effective pace is in a team. I don't think... When I look at Scottish football on the whole... The predominantly successful teams have all got pace in the side. Mm-hmm. And even your teams that are, are you know, not blessed with talent as such, but do enough to stay top tier, they might have pace on the counter or whatever. I think it's a massive part and something that we've obviously missed for a while. And Josh Janelli, when he came on, was the epitome of that. I would love to see us go for a partner for him on the other flank. Personally, I think that's the I think I think that's the main the main target that I would have, and I mean let, let's just get into his performance because he did change the game when he came on, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Really, absolutely. I ju- I'm I'm in love with that man. Do, do you think we will sign him on a permanent deal? Because it seems like Preston have just seem. I don't know whether the the appointing of the new director of football has obviously. Kind of, will obviously sway that in our favour, but it seems to me as though North End have just totally made it seem as though it's going to be, it's going to happen. It seems an, an, an inevitability rather. 
I think everything is pointing in that direction. I think he's been incredibly vocal about how he'd be happy to stay here. His mum's a massive fan. We all love him. As you say, we've got um, Joe Savage as the sporting director who was influential in getting him in. I just think everything points to the fact that he's got to sign. And honestly, I I want that more than I want any other new signing. Because I don't know any other new signing and they might be rubbish. Ginelli has been incredible. And he came on, and as you say, he just... As soon as he came on, I was like, we're going to get a second here. It, it certainly did feel that way, because even even then you said it. That first half, there was no out ball, there was nothing. He seemed the man to, to drag us on and haul us level, which obviously then he, he didn't. And... Uh, he, he, should have, he had two brilliant chances within the 90 minutes. However, his impact on the game cannot be taken away, in, in my eyes, anyway. Definitely not. Obviously, people will look to the chance where Duffy and Julian just started hugging each other in the middle of the pitch for some reason. and he, he, I think the ball kind of got a wee bit behind him, so he couldn't get the purchase he wanted on it. And then about two minutes later, he had an even better chance, and I think he kind of panicked and just went, I just need to hit this. But... I mean, he was the guy who swung the ball in for the eventual equaliser. Says it all. Yeah, no, no, totally. Discussing that equaliser, d- did you think it was in at first? No. I was <laughs> like, that's not gone in. That's not went in. Uh, but no. at the same time, I was screaming, much like Robbie Nielsen was running down for a handball and a red card. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed as though... <laughs> I better watch what I say here, but it seemed as though history was going to repeat itself with a decision that could have been. And mm. I just, I, my initial reaction was, he's not going to give it. He's not going to give it. I could, I, I literally had my hands up. Kind of, I had my head in my hands, and I was just thinking, he's not going to give it. And then it was only then after. Now I know the frustration that Premier League fans have with VAR, because. It was a case of, do I celebrate or not? And it's only then, after the consultation and everything that goes with it, and he's given the goal, that you just erupt. I could not believe it, that we'd actually hold ourselves level from where we were. It was unbelievable. As I say, I wasn't really focusing on the consultation because I didn't think it went over the line. I was just... It's so funny watching the replay back of Robbie because Jig and Gordon are like... Try to shout at the ref, being like, it was in, it was in, it was in. Whereas Robbie is just steaming down the stairs, going, handball, handball, handball. And then halfway down, the goal gets given, and he just spins back around and runs back up <laughs> to Jake and Gordon. But honest to God, like, we'll speak about Kingsley, obviously, later on. But for me, Kingsley was man of the match by far. He was incredible. And... I was so chuffed from, and it was nothing less than what we deserved. No, t- totally not. And he, what he was man of the match. He's, he's, he's just proven a real coup for us, hasn't he? And he's the best left back we've had since Fisas. And again, it's a case of you talked about Ginelli on a permanent deal. It's a case of extending his deal as well, and hopefully, hopefully, Hearts announce that around the Christmas period for a wee present for us all. But well, definitely. do you want some inside scoops? Oh, yes, please. This go is on. not an this is not an inside <laughs> scoop, but I'm reading into it. All right, go on then. So, 
50 minutes before we started recording, Stephen Kingsley sent out a tweet just saying how gutted he was, but that he he's like, he's basically said what everybody said, really gutted, but we're going to go and win this fucking league. And I quoted it just saying, man of the match, arguably our player of the season so far, um, just been amazing, best left back since Takis, no one should be criticising him. And then I went, however, please just sign a five-year extension. And he liked the tweet, so it's a five-year extension. <laughs> Some inside scoop that. You've essentially begged him to stay. He's liked the fact that you've begged him to stay, but not signed a thing, and yet are you convinced? No, he's <laughs> signed a five-year deal, mate. He's here until he retires. Oh, TDB. But no, it's just, obviously we touched on the Ginelli chance, and then it goes into extra time. I, I, I want to talk about the action, but I'm more intrigued to get folks' thoughts, because there is nothing that we can say to justify the 120 minutes that we saw. Yeah. It's more, what was everybody's thoughts at particular moments? And I think for me, as soon as it went to extra time, it wasn't a case of, oh, the players are going to be breathing at their arse. I think it was more a, well, we've got here somehow. Let's just let's just give it our best and, and see see what we've got. See if we can, you know, see if we can crank up the pressure. Do you think we got that first half? Or do you think it was one of those typically cagey sort of first halves of extra time where nobody's really going to grab a goal as such, but they want to remain in the game? I cannot remember a single thing from that first half apart from the Celtic goal. Because <laughs> it comes right at the end. And, yeah. and and even then, my thought is, shit, this is the worst possible time for that to happen. I was also um, contemplating retiring from the podcast. How's that? Because I said... Uh, oh I my God! Oh my God! <laughs> I forgot about that. I literally said what will happen in fairness I didn't say in the 105th I said in the 90th I went Scott Brown will swing a ball in and Griffiths will score a 90th minute winner now we did say a Griffiths winner would be you know the worst outcome off the bench yeah we literally said that and I thought at that stage that that was it did you not same I literally just went he's fucking put us out or they've put us out because obviously Brown played the ball. I was just like, they've done it. That's it. And I just, I just slumped back down and was like, it would have been better if we got battered. <laughs> Do you see, this is also a, a an argument I have with my own mind as to whether it would have been better to get battered or not. It wouldn't have. I don't think it would have. I said that before the game, and I said that during the game, but after the game. I, again, I don't want to really speak about the overall performance too much, but I would have, now that I know what went on, I would have hated it if we got barred. I would have hated it. I'd much yeah. rather that. Particularly because of how limp we were in the first half. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was just, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. And extra time was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I think even... I was going to say even towards the end of the 90, but it wasn't because we were pressing. But that extra time felt as though it was 98. 
That was like, that was the equivalent of ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Would you not? Would you not it go over that? It was it was, it was horrible. It was actually grim, and even then, they obviously get the goal through Griffiths, and then it seems like the writing's on the wall. Until bedlam of our own, and let's be frank, neither of the goals in extra time were you know stunners or worldies or even genuine talking points but it, it just it extra time encapsulated how I felt for the entire afternoon it was crazy it was toxic and I was absolutely papping my pants throughout it would you is that the same for you oh honestly when Janelle scored that I went fucking insane because I just I couldn't believe I was so happy for him as well, and this is emblematic of what I was saying earlier. He's been here for a cup of coffee. He's no one of the stone walls of the team like Michael Smith or Herring or Irving, who's come through the ranks, or a returning legend like Gordon. He's a guy who's just rocked up for Preston, but the commitment he's shown and the ability that he's shown, and the way he's just taken the club into himself, it just was like, and obviously the two big chances that he missed in the ninety, it was like. He deserves that so much. He also absolutely killed Callum McGregor. Yeah, I think I think I was relieved for him that he'd tucked Mm. one away, given those two misses earlier on. Definitely, it just and then obviously let's let's just let's just get to the pens because it's it's devastating. Only Hearts could be three two up in a penalty shootout. With two penalties to go, and lose four three. I want to, um, I want to speak about a guy we've not spoken about yet. Um, I think if it wasn't Kingsley, Stephen Naismith was man of the match for me. Really? You got you. Go on. I was going to say I want to hear your your justification because I, I, I thought he was very influential as well. And I don't know whether that's just because of the battle that he had with Brown and managing to keep his cool. Let's be frank. We're going to talk about Nasey. How he remained on the park is a mystery, but it's also simultaneously not because he's smart. And Scott Brown, whether you... Obviously, I was going to say whether you like him or loathe him. Everybody listening to this podcast will most likely detest Scott Brown. But they're not daft enough to get caught and this is ultimately, it's it's their experience and know-how that manages to get them through these situations. And Nasey was lucky to stay on the park, but we're, we can count our lucky stars that he did, because I also thought he was outstanding. I think both of us and a lot of the Hearts fan base have been a bit... We've viewed the game that we've played this season a bit too simply. We've went, we're now in a low division... Stephen Naismith should be our best player because of his quality that he's shown in the top flight. When he's not done that, which is, as for a lot of the season he hasn't, other people have kind of stolen the headlines, like Kingsley, Smith, Boyce, players white in for that period of time and stuff like that. A lot of people have said, that's it, Naismith's passed it. But what he showed in the Hibs game and what he showed in this game is why you need Stephen Naismith. Stephen Naismith doesn't need to be the best player in the park when we're playing Queen of the South, when we're playing Ayr, 
when we're playing Morton, when we're playing our Broth, because most of our players will look good against those teams. So Naismith will understandably look a bit quieter. In the games where you need big players to show their quality, Naismith has done that in both the games this season. He has helped others through the team. As you say, he's battled with Scott Brown. You need somebody who can do that because Andy Halliday can't fucking do that. Andy Halliday just lets people get in his head. Naismith doesn't do that. Naismith's far smarter than that and he's better than that. And I was so happy that he put his penalty away because it, it just put the cherry on the cake for an almost perfect game for him. I just thought he was excellent and it was like, that is why we gave you that extension and that is why I'm delighted you're still at this club and that's why I'm delighted you're captain. Couldn't, couldn't have put it any better, mate. Couldn't have put it any better. Do you want to discuss the missed pens? I want to discuss their missed penalty first. Okay. Be- because I, my dad said this to me as well. That was the first time I thought we were going to do it. I didn't think we would when we boys scored. I didn't think we would when Kingsley scored. I didn't even think we would when Janelli scored. But when Christie missed that penalty, I went, we're going to do this. We're actually going to do this. I would be inclined to agree, but again, was was delighted with the way that the team came back. And I think having got it back to 2 all, I don't know whether I'd have rathered them nicking it 3-2 than what we did see or us equalising in extra time but then them just going up the the park and scoring again I, mm-hmm. it, penalties are heartbreaking and that's that's our first taster of a penalty shootout defeat and it is not nice absolutely I, not nice Instead of speaking about the two penalties kind of individually that we missed, I want to kind of lump them together because I saw you share this and I I could not agree more that in the immediate aftermath, I saw a lot of people call out Kingsley and Whiting for their misses yeah. in the sense of going... Because there's a difference, because I did it, and going, they were terrible penalties and they were terrible penalties. However, that is where the criticism ends. You do not criticise them for taking the penalties. You do not criticise Whiten in general because without Craig Whiten, we would not be on that park. Without Stephen Kingsley, we would not get to extra time. Kingsley, as I said earlier, has arguably been our player of the season and Craig Whiten became a derby hero by getting us to that cup final and has been a really good player for us this season. Those two men, Robbie said it himself, they had the balls to step up and take a penalty. I will never, ever critique them for that. I don't know. I'm not. I don't think I could do that. Even though I'm the like, I'm a massive Hearts fan. I don't think I could do that. I couldn't put the weight of the club and the fan base on my shoulders. And both of them stood up to take it. Yes, they missed, and it is devastating. It is gutting. However, I commend them for doing so. Absolutely hit the nail on the head, mate. Absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think you're spot on. And. <sighs> It's, it's one of those unfortunate things where you're right. I mean, my, my arse would be collapsing. I, I couldn't do that. No way. And it does. It takes balls. And ultimately, I, I, I really felt for... I, I'd say I'd felt for Whiten more so. Yeah. Because of the stick that he received when he first joined. 
to then seemingly turn it around at the start of this season. But don't... The worst thing that he can do is believe that that's undone all his hard work because it's not... I, I, From what I've seen from Craig White in this season, he will have a part to play for us. And mm-hmm. as does Stephen Kingsley. So it's easy for us to say because it must be the most horrible feeling. But they cannot let this define them. And... You're right. Stephen Kingsley has been arguably our player of the season. I I would say that he has. He has been. Mm-hmm. And Craig Whiten has arguably arguably been our kind of breakthrough star. I don't think anybody could have foreseen what has happened to Whiten this season. I think it, another aspect I want to just touch on is Liam Boyce. Because Liam, again... Liam Boyce was excellent. He was outstanding. Just everything that came up to him stuck and I do feel that when he came off we lost something because God love him and I do love him Whiten isn't that type of player I thought Whiten came on and was really good he was getting himself about and stuff like that but he doesn't have that ability he was a nuisance wasn't he absolutely absolutely he was getting in their faces much like Janelli was but he isn't that player that boy says who can just get it up to him make it stick and turn and create something no and, and, and- Arguably, I felt for those three the most because of the reasons that I touched on and and how well they've done, not only in the match, but throughout this season so far. I hope Boyce is all right. Yeah, likewise. But again, you know, we, we say that, but you wouldn't be opposed to having Craig White and start against Ayr, would you? Not at all. Not at so, all. So it's one of those things that... There should be no rush for Liam Boyce to come back. It's a case of similar to Haring where you kind of bed them and allow them to make that recovery in their own time. If if, if it is major, I mean, it might not be. We, we don't know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's really been released as of yet at the time of recording, certainly, that that has proved that way. So, fingers crossed it's not too serious. But, again, if he's out for a couple weeks, so be it, because... This squad have taught me that we do have talent there. It's it's trying to get the best out of them, and they've proved that they're capable. Whereas mm-hmm. in in previous seasons, that's been the frustrating thing. It's it's appeared as a word almost a bipolar football team. I think I said it on Twitter, and it got a wee bit of attention. Um, the the overwhelming feeling coming out of that game for me personally was pride I just I can't remember the last time I was this proud of the team and like I said I know I, was, I know I spoke about Walker earlier and stuff like that but generally look at Craig Halkett a man who we haven't spoken about yet who I wanted to leave till the end I was going to say I think now's the time I, I, lo- I love Craig Halkett because to anyone who says this current crop of players doesn't get it, they don't know what it means to play for the badge on their chest and all these stupid cliches, look at the emotion on that man's face and tell me that he doesn't get it. Tell me that the reaction from players on Twitter and Instagram immediately following the game, they don't get it. Tell me that that fight back, not once, not twice, but three times tell me that they don't get that 
they are just a squad and management staff that I can I'm finally again happy with and proud to be a fan of. The last three years I've not been. It's been an embarrassment being a Hearts fan. And yes, I know we're in the championship. And yes, I know we're not out of the league yet. But with this squad and this management team, I do think we can do great things. And yes, you are right. We need to make a couple of additions. There are players in this squad who aren't good enough in terms of ability. But the majority, the vast majority, 95% of these players get it and they want to do well for the football club because they want to do well for the fans. Not because they just want to get a move themselves or they just want to get a nice wage packet at the end of the month. They want to play for this club, win things at this club and propel us as high as we possibly can. And we've just taken it to the quadruple treble winners as you cannot get closer than that. You cannot take them closer than that. And yes, we lost and it's gutting. And it is gutting. We've sat here for 58 minutes speaking about how gutting it is and how awful the feeling was when Ayer scored that penalty. But I look at this team and go, we're not a million miles away from doing this regularly. No, we're not. And that's that's the main positive I think that we can take from it. Um, Craig Halkett just epitomised the entire fan base, didn't he? As soon as the camera panned on him. I've, I'd, I was nearly in bits myself. It was just devastating. Um, and obviously, we will speak about strengthening the squad in due course. Um, but from what I've seen there, there's a there's a decent core that that are likeable again. Yeah. And there's there's talent there that can be worked on that we will get the best out of, at least I believe that's that's the that's the attitude you've got to adopt. And like you say, I think they've realised the opportunity that they've got at hearts. Because even even you're right, even if they are playing for a move, hearts are a great stepping stone to allow them to that move. Mm-hmm. But you're also bang on what you said with if they win something. I mean, all the talk about 98 was the the parade after and kind of how that team is so fondly remembered. If you win something with hearts, you'll get the parade, the day out, whatever, like all that, you know, experience. You'll probably never have to buy a pint in Edinburgh ever again. You look at the 2012 team, right? Danny Granger, a journeyman of the lower leagues in England. Ryan McGowan, an Australian guy who came over, who came through the academy. Suso, who just kind of went round the leagues. Players like that would never in their career have a moment like that again. And exactly, do you seriously think Danny Granger could walk into a pub in Edinburgh and not have 55 people try to buy him a drink? Of course. Honestly... I was going to say, let's touch on the fans, but we don't need to touch on the fans. Hearts fans are amazing, and there's times when they're not. And when mm-hmm. when everybody's in that same boat and in that same mindset, I think I don't think there's a fan base in Scotland like it. I really don't. I think the, the, the messages of support that I saw on Twitter, even whilst 
gutted and at our most vulnerable having to take that defeat on the chin. I thought they were evident to see. And it seems as though everything's... <laughs> it seems as though we're on the verge of something and that everything's about to gather. But we just... I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but do you know what I mean? It seems like there's a genuine feel-good factor about to emerge. It feels like when we started in the championship last time, it feels like we've got a good, solid group of players with a solid management team and an owner who is willing to invest in us. And that is the perfect combination you want in football. You add to that a fan base that is willing to fully buy into that. And there is no reason to not do what we did last time with Robbie and get third, and then he leaves us in second. Hopefully he doesn't leave us this time. But, I saw someone, I feel really bad, sorry if you're listening to this, I can't remember who said this, but they said there's a potential for Robbie Nielsen to be as successful as Jim Jeffries if he's at this club for a significant period of time, say for the next half a decade or something like that. There is no reason he couldn't win us stuff. And I could not agree more. For me, Robin Nielsen's, apart from cup-winning managers, Robin Nielsen's my favourite manager in my lifetime. And I just, I just, the feel-good factor is exactly the right term that you used. I just feel excited about the club again, and I've not felt like that in so, so long. No, it, it feels like there's genuine potential that we can tap into. And that's not been... That's not been at Tyne Castle for a good few years now. Um, but, I mean, that I can't think of anything else that really needs discussing about the final, to be honest. That, yeah, I think that's it. I think we've vented absolutely everything. That being said, um, possibly about Scott Brown and his antics, because, I mean, what a, what a classless clown he really is, eh? That, that for me, is kind of the beginning and the end of it. I, I find it weird that some people have been like, that he shouldn't be allowed to do it. I think that's a bit weird. Like, well, you, how can you police that? You can't say that when you win a, <laughs> you win a cup that you can't like, <laughs> celebrate your own way. But that is just what it is. He will be remembered for that. Celtic fans will remember him for the... Antagonising and whatever. Absolutely, and the fact that he is one of, if not the most successful captain in their club's history, I, I don't know Celtic's history, I reckon how their captains have done, but he is... He must be one of the most decorated players. Exactly, especially in the modern era, he's the most successful player. Yeah. Um, but the rest of Scottish football remember him as that, just a classless individual who, while his teammates are on one side of the pitch making history and doing something that will never be achieved again, he's just trying to antagonise a player... And it's like, fine, I don't care. <laughs> like, if that's what he wants to do, fine. And there will be the thing where Celtic fans are like, oh, you're biting, so therefore it's worked. It's like, I, I just don't care about him. Because it's like, that's what he'll be remembered. I will never remember Scott Brown for all the things he's won. I'll just remember him for being a twat. And it's like, fine, that is the legs he wants to have. He's very proud of that. He likes that he's beloved by the clubs he's represented and hated by all other clubs because there's an element of, like for example the person that we spoke about earlier who was battling with him Stephen Naismith's like that Rangers and Hearts fans and Killy fans and Everton fans and Norwich fans love him because he's a bastard 
and all the other clubs hate him. Same with Jig, who we've got. When he was a player, I fucking hated Lee McCulloch, but now that he's part of the club, I adore him and I'm delighted that we have him. Kyle Lafferty was the same. Yeah. Stuff like that. You have players who are pricks and they're loved by their fan bases and they hate by everyone else. But Scott Brown, just do what you like, Scott. But I know if I was in your position, I wouldn't give a fuck about the opposition. I'd be celebrating with my teammates. Maybe maybe that's what we need. Maybe we maybe we need a prick or two more. Because we've talked about the I disagree because we've... we've got Halliday and Walker and they're both shit. But but if you're if you're on about them moving on potentially after this season, the rest of that squad is or does seem like a collective of nice guys. But I I, I disagree. I disagree. I still think we need a. I still think we need an arsehole, mate. I maybe I don't think that's what it is. I think in previous years, see in the last few years, I think we've had a squad of nice guys. I do, but see now, I think we've got a squad of nice guys, but who are passionate, who are good enough, who have a will to win. Because and with a bit of ambition. Kingsley, yeah, Stephen Kingsley comes across as a really nice guy. I don't think anyone would have a bad word to say about him. But he's a winner. He knows what it takes to win. He wants to kick on, and he does that through his natural ability. Michael Smith's a lovely guy, but he, he's compact, he's aggressive. We don't need an arsehole. We just need aggressive players with quality who want to push forward. That's what I'd rather have. Cause no, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's th- fair There enough. is that element. That a Halliday's a prick, but <laughs> so far he's been shit. So therefore, he's just a prick. Like, Scott Brown, at least you can say, is... A fant- for most of his career was a fantastic player as well in terms of what he's won and the caps he got for his country and stuff like that exactly same with Stephen Naismith and Lee McCulloch Davey Weir was like that I know to an extent and there's that aspect of it whereas Halliday currently he might come into something but Halliday just so far hasn't really shown that he's just shown that he's a prick and that game showcased it Scott Brown got under Halliday's skin got him booked see as soon as Halliday got booked I was like get him off Get him off now. I couldn't believe he lasted the full game because the one fear we all had going into it was that yeah. Halliday was going to get himself sent off. Definitely. And he de- he definitely looked like he was going to be able to. Because yeah. Scott Brown Go just got in that. his head. Scott Brown just completely knew what he'd do to wind him up. Whereas Naismith got in Brown's head. So much so that when his team made history, Naismith was the first thing that Scott Brown thought of. I, I, I cannot go against anything that you've just said there. Um... What what else is there to discuss, really, mate? I'd, I can't believe we've lasted an hour, to be honest, because I, I was I was thinking this will either go one of two ways, and it will be brief, and that'll just be it, or obviously we've managed to do the, my other option. Is there anything else you want to discuss? I wanted to quickly mention a thing I found funny, oh, and it was on. that the first thing out of Lee Griffiths's mouth <laughs> was. Well, that made up for 5-1. No, it didn't, Lee. No, it didn't. Partly because your own goal got, like, cancelled out, so it didn't even fucking matter in the end. We're still going to penalties anyway. But, Lee, that did not cancel out an embarrassment by your biggest rivals. And it was just amazing to see that, again, he's just made history. And the first thing he thinks of (laughs) is the embarrassment. It will never. They will just always remember it. They will never get over it. <laughs> Do you know it's? It's also funny in that 
we talked about this as being a free hit, and yet it feels odd that we're gutted. It shows just how fickle a big fixture like this can be, mm-hmm. and I think, I think the devastation is obviously there for us all to see. Yet we shouldn't be all that devastated because we weren't expected to win, and I know that might sound patronising and like a, a kind of glorious defeat or whatever, but it's really not. I, I'm I am a firm believer that every dog has its day, and rest assured, I firmly believe that our day will be coming. Listen, in our lifetimes, we've won a decade and we've won a Scottish Cup in each decade we've been alive. This is only the first year of this decade. We've got another eight. It's fine. Bags of time. Bags of time. I also just want to say quickly, because we're not really going to preview the air game, because it's the fucking air game who really gives a shit. But that's kind of the point. Honestly, see, after after yesterday, I'm like, the, the league we're in, I'm sick and tired of being nice about it. The league we're in is fucking shit. Dundee just drew with Dunfermline 3-0, right? How the fuck does that happen? A broth just beat air. More in a third. This league is fucking terrible. We need to just walk this now. I'm, I can't be bothered with other people going, it's a hard league. It's a really hard league, listen. And everybody beats themselves. Yeah, everybody beats themselves. We've played six games of one. No, we've played seven games, we've lost one. Right? And that's against the only other team who looks somewhat decent. We just need to fucking walk this league now. I'm sick and tired of it, Adam. I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> there is that. And there's also the feeling of we're obviously out the League Cup and we've spoken how that's a missed opportunity and whatever. But these players have still got the option, or not the option, they've still got the opportunity. I was about to say, re- it's not a fucking option. No, they've, they've got the opportunity to rectify what has just happened. All that pain and hard work that they've put into that run, they just have to go out and try and duplicate that as best they can. And it can still be a successful season because, like you say, we are expected to win the league. We will win the league. And now it's just... I'd just love to see us actually go for it in the cup as well and have that as an added bonus. Because if we reach another final, great. Regardless of the result. If if we can pull off a win, that makes it even better. So, just got to give the Scottish Cup our best along with winning the league, and we can still make a success of this season. Don't don't be writing it off. Don't be down in the dumps. It's December for crying out loud. There's still got many games to play, and here's hoping that we can make it a successful season after all. Well, I don't think there could be a better way to end it than that. So a massive thank you to everyone who listened to this especially, and just generally who listened to us after knowing what this podcast was going to be like um a quick thing that i'll mention just because of the way that the community that we've built here has genuinely been really lovely like the amount of messages and stuff we get and obviously the scottish cup defeat was pretty rubbish but in the grand scheme of life in the last few days it's not been great um a lot of people have suddenly had their plans for this festive period completely disrupted myself included so just I hope everybody has as good a Christmas as you can do. Um, I know a lot of us will be experiencing Christmas in a very different way. Um, myself included, I won't be with my family for the first time. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting. But I hope everybody can have as good time you can. And then on Boxing Day, I hope we beat air as well. Adam, I assume you feel the same. 
Yeah, totally echo those thoughts. And to those that don't celebrate, have a fantastic day. Shout out to those that are working, keeping the country going. And yeah, have have a fantastic festive period, troops. Absolutely. So we are at Perth to Paisley. You can get us on social media at Perth to Paisley. You can get us on YouTube if that's how you want to listen to the podcast at Perth to Paisley as well. We are on all good platforms for your podcasts. Please leave us a rating if you do enjoy us. It massively, massively helps. Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me on social media at Adam T. Kendall. And I just want to say a massive thank you to the BBC for the opportunity to obviously be part of the highlights package. I don't know whether Jambos have seen it, but you can see my ugly mug on there on the iPlayer. What about yourself? He's absolutely beautiful. He's a star now. He's got to leave me soon and it'll just be me speaking in air mic. However, I am at the Mark on Twitter. Have a lovely week, Hearts fans. We'll be back next week to discuss the air game and any potential targets that we have in January. But we'll see what happens. Don't be too gutted. And we'll see you next week. Keep the faith. Monogites! Tease.